Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Jonathan Mudgate as a manager to my Jonathan Mudgate as a player. It's just Peach. Good afternoon. I'm, I'm not quite sure about that comparison before you start because his playing days were a bit iffy as well. So Yeah, he was a bang average player. Like, I'm a bang average host of a podcast. Well, well a, ba- a bang average podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a manager, well... Suffer yourself on that one. Justin, what a weekend it's been. There were some massive games. Massive, massive games. But the one thing I took away from this weekend is everyone's fighting each other. What's going where's on? Love? Where's the love? Where's, where where's is the, the love? Where's the post-lockdown love? There was so much aggression this weekend. It was insane. It was like fight club. Everyone was just having well, a go at each other. <laughs> slap club. Slap club. We'll get onto that in a sec, Justin. First <laughs> off, we'll start off at the top of the table where we find Leeds United because they beat Fulham 3 0. Now we had concerns about Leeds after they lost to Cardiff last week, but those concerns have now been eased, haven't they, Justin? No, definitely. I, I, you know, like going into the game against Cardiff, they're going to be a bit rusty. Um, and Cardiff are a very well prepared team tactically. So the result there. Might, it might have been a bit of a surprise, but Leeds still created chances. But then, you know, going into this week against Fulham, they 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 tweaked how they played slightly. They adjusted, you know, they 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 relinquished possession. They allowed Fulham to have the ball, but they punished Fulham, um, and that's the main takeaway from it. Yeah, they were relentless. It was a very convincing performance from Leeds, and Fulham barely troubled them. There were so many individuals who played brilliantly as well. One in particular was Ben White, because he's mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why <laughs> Fulham barely laid a glove on them. He kept Mitrovic well, pretty much in his pocket, really, didn't he? Barely laid a glove. Go on. Oh, OK. Laid, laid an elbow. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself too quickly. But Ben White, superb oddity. He showed just again... Why he is Premier League quality? No, definitely, and I think, I mean, it, we're we're a broken record with a lot of players in this league because a lot have been very consistent, and Ben White falls into that category. But I was also very impressed with Luke Ayling. Stuart Dallas kept knockout quiet, although this season it hasn't doesn't seem to have been a very difficult job for many left backs. Um, and um, Liam Cooper again after his mistake last week put in a great display. Um, going into this game against Fulham. So, yeah, absolutely. Back four was superb. And obviously, Ben White did so well not to just let that elbow in the third minute from Mitrovic <laughs> get on top of him because a young centre-half, it might happen. You know, you could get, be intimidated by it, but he wasn't. He put in a great display. No, and that just shows Ben White perfectly, doesn't it? That after taking a, a jab to the face, he <laughs> managed to carry on perfectly and do his job superbly. And it's... It shows that he has got a big future in the game because Definitely. in terms of his mentality, when it comes to stuff like that happening, 
it doesn't affect him at all. He's completely unfazed by it. Pablo Hernandez, his assist for the last goal. <laughs> My Lord. I don't know how he's done it because he wasn't even looking at where Jack Harrison was, but he's managed to play a 40-yard pass down the other end of the pitch without <laughs> without even thinking about it. I tell you what, I'm, go- I'm going back nearly a year um, for the, a similar assist, but he did the same thing for Stuart Dallas against Stoke um, in the early stages of this season. Mm. Um, the guy's got vision. We know this. Oh, yeah. Well, in the, in some cases, he doesn't even have to look up. He could, he's got eyes in the back of his head, apparently. Spies. Spies, yeah. He's, he's got an <laughs> earpiece in telling him where they are. Um, but talking about Leeds as a whole, when you see performances like this, it does remind you that, quite frankly... Leeds are the best team in the league, aren't they? And it would be criminal for them not to get promoted. They've they've put third place aside easily. Um, they they they're not necessarily um, you know hell bent on playing the same style of football. They went quite direct at times. They played football. They played balls into the channels. They they adjusted to their their opposition, but still played their own way. They still played to their philosophy, which. Is, is is vital in this league. You can, you can still have your own style of play, but you know, adjust to opposition as and when. Um, and they did that, and they dominated the game. Right. Yeah, there's now eight points between them and Brentford, and considering that, and the fact that West Brom have struggled recently, it doesn't look like there's going to be anyone stopping Leeds at this point now, does it? I, I'd be very surprised if they weren't to go up. And we, we would have been surprised anyway had they not gone up. But the result last week just raised a few alarm bells. But <laughs> they seem to have stopped now, don't they? Uh, from the Fulham perspective, another shocking performance. They were terrible last week against Brentford. And here, <laughs> it seemed like they had no plan B. Because... well. <laughs> Well, apart from assaulting defenders, we'll get onto that in a sec, Justin. I know you're desperate to talk about it. But they had the plan A, which was to, as usual, just try and play it around and see what they can do and try and break down the Leeds defence. But that didn't work. And at that point, it just kind of rolled over, didn't they? That's that's probably been Fulham all season, you know. If, if plan A doesn't work, then they're like, shit, what are we going to do? Yeah, that's what it. That's what it feels like. And we we said the same thing last week. But you know, Fulham at times they had opportunities, um, but they just didn't make Leeds pay. Um, and it was sort of similar against Brentford last week. They could have taken the lead, um, and it been and it been a different game. But they just lacked that ruthlessness um, to penetrate. And and obviously, you know, Knockart, for example, was, was poor. He was kept out of the game by Dallas. He, he was poor. Kearney couldn't find a breakthrough. You know, we were lauding him as one of the best playmakers in the championship. But frankly, you know, the Leeds, the Leeds midfield press is, is incredible. But you expect someone of Kearney's quality to be able to find pockets of space. And um, Deckard Dover-Reed was, was non-existent. You know, there were too many passengers in that, in that Fulham side yesterday. Yeah. And so many times this season, they've relied on Alexander Mitrovic pulling them out of trouble. But it looks like they're going to be missing him for the next three games now, because I'll be very surprised if he doesn't get suspended for that hideous elbow on Ben White. Uh, I think we both agree it was a red card. I'm surprised it wasn't spotted by the referee, first of all. Mm -hmm. And secondly, why did he do it? Because it was just daft, wasn't it? I mean, Mitrovic has these moments where he just loses all sense of judgment. You know, he's he's got previous with it, and for all 
you know, as good as he is, he, he has these moments where he lets himself down and ultimately, you know, if he gets sent off and he lets his team down as well. Um, you know, frankly, his qualities are there to be to be seen. You know, he's got how many goals this season? He, he's a good striker. But to do that in the third minute of the game, it, while your team's chasing automatic promotion, by the way, mm. they're not out of it, um, is a horrendous decision. And he should have been sent off. Yeah, it was disgusting, quite frankly. We're big fans of Mitrovic, but you just can't condone something like that. It's not as bad as this incident, but I it reminded me of when Ben Thatcher... Um, but you know what? That, that, yeah. that came to my head straight away. Yeah, when Ben Thatcher did it on Pep... Uh, Pedro Mendes, is that right? Mm-hmm. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro Mendes. Mendes. Um, yeah. We're talking a good decade ago now, and it's not that bad. But Ben White could have very easily been seriously injured by that. Well, you, ben, you and, catch him on the eye sockets. You know, this is a um, delicate area. You know, yeah, your, your eye could just blow up—not blow up literally, but you know, balloon. Yeah, I know what you out. mean. You, you know, you could fracture it. You could easily fracture a bone in the face. We've seen players clash heads and do a lot more damage than what an elbow would do to the corner of the face. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not, it's not good at all. It makes me think whether Mitrovic should actually be suspended for longer than three games. Because the three games would be <clears throat> for a straight red, which he did, which he should have got for that challenge. Do you think maybe he should get more than three games? Well, uh, I mean, yes, because it wasn't... It's not a nice challenge. It's a terrible challenge. Um, and, you know, it deserves more than three games. But... It's what's the what is it? Violent conduct. Yeah, it's a three-game ban. You know, the the it's the letter of the law. You they they won't. The FA we know they the FA aren't necessarily flexible. You know, coming out of those suspensions. So yeah. I won't be surprised well, if it's just three. The superb Fulhamish podcast tweeted after this result. Playoffs it is then. Now, it seems automatic promotion is looking very unlikely at this point, Justin, unless there's a massive turnaround. But my question to you is, could there be a chance that Fulham fall out of the top six? Because <laughs> they've played terribly, got some tough games coming up, and it looks like they're going to be without their top scorer for the next few of them. I don't think they'll drop out of the top six, but you've said this before. Um, there are a lot of comparisons with the West Brom team of last season, mm. and they almost sort of lay on the back and that was it for the rest of the season. Uh, and even the playoffs, they didn't look great against Villa. I know they lost Dwight Gale, etc. There the, are the reasons why, but they didn't. They, they were very defensive um, and they just lost their oomph. And I think, would a change help Fulham now, possibly? Um, or are Fulham building for something bigger? Because I think, you know, Scott Parker's first full season in management, he's got a lot to learn. Um, this is obviously a big learning curve, but with the finances Fulham have put into this season, promotion has to be top priority. Yeah. Well, on Friday night, Brentford beat West Brom 1-0 thanks to a goal from Ollie Watkins and the scoreline doesn't suggest it, but this was a comfortable win for Brentford, wasn't it? Subtly comfortable, yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. You know, Brentford showed their best qualities. It was a good goal. Um, You know, getting to the byline, I think it was a shot by the silver rather than a cross, but... Watkins doing what he does best. You know, he doesn't get enough credit for being in the right positions. You know, everyone loud his qualities um, on the ball, but he gets into great positions to be able to just tap the ball in. And that's what good strikers do. Mm. Um, um, and as you say, you know, it showed their best qualities. Uh, defensively, they were they were great, you know. Oh, superb. Uh, they were absolutely uh, superb. Um, Ethan Pinnock um, just summed it up. 11 aerial duels won, six interceptions, five clearances, two blocks. Yeah. Well, I, I said on I said on after that game, I, I'm convinced that Janssen and Pinnock 
are the best centre-back pairing in the championship. They are superb together. And weirdly, they haven't actually played much together in this season. I had a well, look. They've only played 16 games together this season. Hmm. That's mainly because Pinnock was struggling a bit with form at the start of the season and then Janssen's been injured since January. But in the 16 games they played together, they've only conceded nine goals. There you go. There you, there you go. go. They are unbelievable and they showed that by keeping West Brom completely at bay on Friday night. Talking of West Brom, as mentioned, they lacked any bite going forwards. And one thing we've missed out, West Brom haven't scored in nearly seven hours of championship football now. And when you consider the names they have there, they should be doing a lot better, shouldn't they, Justin? We can be forgiven for missing that because we missed three months of... (laughs) Um, but yeah no absolutely Callum Robinson Harold Robson-Karnu Charlie Austin Dean Garner Pereira the list goes on Grisicki yeah um, well Harold Robson-Karnu has got four goals in 19 now Kenneth Zahor's got three league goals all season Charlie Austin's got one goal in his last 14 Matt Phillips hasn't scored a league goal in 15 games Matthias Pereira who we praise loads this season three goals and assists in his last 14 games that could go on and on but these are massive names we're talking about here they're all underperforming at the moment, all of them. Mm-hmm. And unless two or three of them <clears throat> pull their finger out, West Brom aren't going up, are they? No, but I think it's one of those cases, you know, they've got a limp over the line. You know, we saw it a couple of seasons ago with, I think it might have been Newcastle, although they they played well, but they, they stuttered towards the end of the season um, before picking back up again. Teams will go through this. They might just be taking a while to get back into post-lockdown football um, but as you say with the quality they have Charlie Austin has not impressed me all season no. Horror on is one that, that has impressed me and he's not necessarily a, a, a striker by trade he's a, he's a wide player um, you know there are players that need to step up now and it's their time to step up with the games that they've got left Massively and with Brentford only five points behind them now they're hot in their heels aren't they? You're nervously looking over your shoulder as a West Brom fan. You don't want oh, to end massively. up in the playoffs again. You do not want to end up in the playoffs again. It's been in your hands all season. Let it go now. With the squad you have and the money you've put in, it will be horrendous. Yeah, it will be absolutely horrendous. Let's go to the bottom of the championship because it's all very tight down there as well, Justin. But we had a massive twist in the relegation battle in midweek when Neil Warnock was appointed the new yes. manager at Middlesbrough. He got off to a winning start after beating Stoke 2-0. Borough <laughs> had 30% possession. Stoke had 22 shots to Borough's 8. Stoke's expected goals was 2.2 to Borough's 0.6. Big Neil, he does what he wants. <laughs> Defying logic. And I tell you what, this, this, as we've said before, this is not a bad Borough side. They shouldn't be anywhere near the situation they're in. Um, and who knows what position they would be in had Woodgate gone a while ago. Um, and it was a top performance. You know, what a contrast. What a contrast. Uh, you know, Neil Warnock's a man who knows what he's doing. No disrespect No disrespect to Woodgate. Um, and I know it's only one game, but look at the differences in performance and belief from last week to this week. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, Woodgate and Warnock because we haven't met since uh, that was announced. Not surprising that Woodgate's gone? No. <laughs> Not at all. It's, it was the most obvious, thing, especially after last week. The players he played, where they, where he played them, uh, and obviously the performance um, and the damning stati- uh, statistic of shots, shots on target, goals. Of course, of course, he had to go. Yeah, he. It's it's harsh to say, but it was quite obvious, wasn't it? And it became more and more apparent as the season went on that he was out of his depth and he wasn't ready for a full management job yet, was he? It, this this was probably the right job at the wrong time. 
it needed he needed a man to come in to steady the ship after Pulis and obviously with the obvious uh, the changes upstairs under Gibb not upstairs but within the playing squad. Yeah, they needed someone to come in and manage this um, transition. They will be a good side uh, again in the next couple of years because they've got good players coming through. They will reinvest in in positions and, and Woodgate perhaps maybe not this season but next season might have been the right job for him. Um, it was just too big a task this season and I think Warnock's the best man obviously to the end of the season and perhaps next season as well. Yeah, well he was dealt a bum hand once he with the playing squad that he was left with. Um, but Warnock now, he's purely there to fight fires, isn't he? That it is a yeah. firefighting mission for him and just to keep Middlesbrough up. And I imagine <laughs> with Neil Warnock's record at this level, you'd expect him to keep Middlesbrough up. Yeah, he's done it with Crystal Palace. He, he obviously did it with Rotherham. The, the Rotherham job was incredible. Mm. Um, and obviously, he's got. I think he's got a much better squad with Borough than he did, obviously, at Rotherham uh, a few years ago. And at Crystal Palace, you know, must have been 12 years ago, that job. Um, yeah, I think he, he, will, he will keep Borough up. Yeah, well, just two points above the relegation zone, but they look to be on the rise, old Borough. Uh, very frustrating result for Stoke, though. Some of the chances they missed were unbelievable. Yes. Did you uh, see um, Stianovic save it with his bollocks? Yes, I saw that, that and I thought, that's got to hurt. He did not look amazed. <laughs> no, that is that, the sign of a real man. Ball to the bollocks. That is, that is what you need when you're fighting a relegation battle. <laughs> Take one to the nuts and get on with it. Just get on with it. Get the magic sponge on it. You'll be all right. <laughs> but that has been the story of Stoke all season, hasn't it? Yeah. Missing yeah, some yeah. unbelievable chances. <clears throat> and we've been assuming Stoke will be all right because Michael O'Neill seemed to have turned the corner with the Stoke team. But now they've only got a two-point safety cushion as well. <laughs> got some big games coming up as against Wigan as well. The, the thing is, right, I'm, I'm more intrigued by what's happening down at the bottom of the table than what's happening at the top of the table. It's an interesting battle throughout the league. Yeah, and, well, so it's hard to call, involved. isn't it? It's yeah, hard to call. There are, there are probably only four teams that have got a meh sort of end to the season. You know, you're looking at QPR, Reading, you know, Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday. There are only a handful of teams that are really not got much to play for. The rest of them have. Um, and obviously, as you say, there are some big sides fighting relegation at the bottom. Huddersfield have just come down. Stoke City, Borough, Wigan are... I think we might just be out of it. Well, we'll get on to them. Well, but quite a few say, of the teams in there yeah. have all been in the Premier League in recent years, haven't exactly, they? So exactly. It's crazy. Um, absolutely but, crazy. And the most interesting thing as well, Justin, is that the team who looks the most likely to go down seems to be changing every single week. Yes, and we'll move on yeah. to one team who, at the moment, look a bit likely to go down. And that's Huddersfield, because they yeah. were terrible against Forest this Sunday afternoon. They lost 3-1. Uh, we'll talk about Forest first, though, because mm-hmm. it was a really good performance from them, and they have been lacking good performances recently. One person we need to talk about initially is Lewis Graben, who got mm-hmm. two goals, one of them a volley, which I that thought... Was a actually, goal. Yeah, I thought that was a lot harder than it looked. Do you know what I it's mean? It. It's a, it's a windy day as well today, and um, you know catching a, catching a volley like that mm. um, with the ball coming from quite high, yeah, um, is but, it is is clinical, and that's just that sums up grabbing. He's clinical. Yeah, the fact that he's managed to control that and keep it down, as you mentioned, from that height. Superb, superb from him. And it, as you mentioned, it is typical Lewis Graben. But before this game, he'd only got one goal in nine games. But when he is on form, there aren't many strikers better than him in the championship, are there? No, he's so dangerous and he, and he does it at times. That he, he goes under the radar as a top championship striker for me because, you know, 
he's he's played for teams that haven't necessarily been fighting for promotion over the years. He went up with Bournemouth, but he was a bit part player then. He you know he was on loan at Sunderland and he and he absolutely killed it at Sunderland. And obviously went to Villa, carried that form on, you know. And he's been at Forest, couple of mid table finishes, and now he looks like he's going to be in a side that's going to be in the playoffs. Um, and then you know teams like Forest need strikers like Lewis Graben because. They surrender the ball. They don't create a lot of chances. And he's a striker who's going to take him. And he does that on a consistent basis. Yeah. And he's now the third top scorer behind only Watkins and Mitrovic. And that's a pretty good indicator from, in my opinion, of the three best strikers in the championship, really. Those yeah. two. And then Graben. Graben is clinical. And he also does a lot of the hard work as well when it comes to contributing to the build-up play so well done mm-hmm. to him uh, but going back to the game it was fairly comfortable for Forest. Huddersfield barely struck a blow on them and yeah. they maybe could have even got a few more it was much more convincing than we've seen from them over the past few weeks and this result solidifies their place in the top six a bit more doesn't it because a loss here they'd have been in a bit of trouble yeah Lemutri uh, said you know he's, he's just looking to create a gap between uh, Forest and whoever's you know in seventh place which is fair enough and obviously anything else that comes is a bit of a bonus um and you know that's probably the right mentality to have you know just get get your form going again after you know stuttering you know conceding a late yeah or scoring a late goal last week like they conceded a late goal last week didn't they uh yes yes they did yeah so you know you can sort of forgive them for being a bit down in the down in the dumps a little bit um, but as you say, they put Huddersfield aside, a, a side that's fighting relegation. It's always going to be difficult, um, and they're at home as well. And you know, we know that they're not—they've not been their best at home, but they were very, very good today. Yeah, very, very good. Um, Huddersfield's place in the league not looking too certain <laughs> at the moment. They dropped into the bottom three for the first time since October. Uh, they weren't helped by only one other team in the bottom seven losing, but yeah. it seems like Huddersfield are going backwards. Now, after initially improving under Danny Cowley, and I said last week he's got his work cut out, it seems like the job is getting bigger and bigger for him, doesn't it? Well, since he's taken charge, it seems to be like one step forward, two steps back. One step yeah. forward, two steps back. You know, it, lo- it looks like at a point where, oh, wow, this Huddersfield side looks quite good. And then they'll, they'll lose the next week. It's been really frustrating and inconsistency sums them up. Um, you know, it's, it is a worry for them. And I uh, <laughs> If they do go down, I wouldn't say I called it back in September, but you know they haven't picked up since then, really. Uh, they've added to the squad, um, and they just don't seem to be able to get any run of form going. It's, it's not good. It's not good at all. Well, the coupon buster of the weekend was at the Liberty Stadium, where Swansea lost 1-0 to Luton. Now, having been one of those people who had Swansea on their accumulator, I'd like to sit here and say they should have won. But they didn't really. Uh, Their game was perhaps overshadowed by a massive brawl. And while I don't encourage violence, Justin, it was very funny. Um, If you haven't seen it yet, seek it out because there's a lot to take in. So first off, you've got the two full-blooded challenges. And then there's all the usual stuff, you know, the pushing and shoving, the argy-bargy. And then just as it looks like it's calming down, Jordan Garrick throws a punch out of nowhere. And while this is all going on, the best bit is Glenn Rea is bouncing coming up and down for some yeah. unknown reason. Just being a hype man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on, then. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Really weird. Anyway, Garrett got sent off, but this was late in the game anyway. Swansea had lost their heads by that point. Um, Luton have only lost one of their last eight. 
15 points from a possible 24. This completely passed me by. Yeah, um, I, this is why, you know, I think it was a few weeks ago when, when we did the um, the preview, I wasn't necessarily ruling Luton out, you know. I I mean, I did say that they, they'd find it difficult under, under you know, change of manager, but I wasn't going to rule them out. Um, and they're in a good run of form and they're looking resolute and fairly lucky at times, but you need it when you're down there. Yeah, and the gap seems to be closing every single week now between uh, Barnsley and Luton because they looked like they were being cut off at one point. But mm. are you giving Luton a chance of staying up? I, I mean, you have to. You have to. Any team that's down there, the the, the gap's closing. You know, form. It, the, most of the teams down there are in pretty. They're on a good run of form. Um, it's hard to rule any of the teams out. To be honest with you, it, it really is. And as you say, four points out of six for Luton and a clean sheet away at Swansea. Their away form has been dreadful this season. This is a massive result, a massive result for Luton going forwards. It really is. But Swansea, after smashing Middlesbrough last week, it looked like they would be one of the teams to keep an eye on in the race for the top six. But this was very underwhelming, to say the least, wasn't it? No, you. I mean, again, you, it's, a, it's an on-paper clash, you know, a team that... On the back of a 3-0 win, you go into the second bottom in the league. You expect to, to win at home. Um, but unfortunately, that's not that's not how the championship works. This pretty much sums up Swansea in a nutshell. You know, they, they can blow teams out of the water one week and then the next week they look vulnerable. They're an inexperienced side. They're building up to something. Um, it's just might not quite have it this season to, 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 to make a run for the playoffs. But again, you can't really rule them out because of how tight it is up there. Um you know, they they need a little bit more experience, a little bit more uh, know-how in the, in the side, and they they will see games out. Uh, unfortunately, it's not been the case consistently enough this season. Another coupon buster was at St Andrews as Birmingham nearly lost to Hull, uh, but Gary Garner managed to grab a late equaliser in a three-three draw. But Hull just minutes away from grabbing their first win since New Year's Day. Justin, it was better from Grant McCann's side, wasn't it? And it's worth pointing out that this is their first point in six games. So in that sense, <laughs> it's progress. It has to be progress. <laughs> they, they scored as well. That's progress. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got to feel for the Hall fans, really. 2-0 up, then 3-2 up, and then you let it slip in the 88th minute. It is cruel, but, you know, it's it was just, it summed up the, the, the worst of Hall City at times. You know, the fact that they allowed Crowley to scored the equaliser, he's five foot eight and he got in, he gets in between his centre halves to score a header. Terrible. He's not he's not Djokovic, you know, he's not a big man. It's but it's poor. Um but there are as you say, there are positives, massive positives, you know, two strikers scored for Hall, which we've not seen very often this yeah. season. McGinnis and, and, and Scott. Um you know, you're wondering where the goals are going to come from. So that's obviously a massive bonus. Um so yeah, it, there are positives. Oblique. Very you know Sad result for yeah. the fans, I guess. Very minute positives, but it's progress either way. I'd still say okay. Hull are still the key mm-hmm. contenders to go down at the moment, though. But you know, you got to build on these things, haven't you? You got to take, got to take any positives when you're in Hull's position. Actually, one thing I looked uh, that I found is that no Hull player recorded a successful dribble. Now, I don't know. Pitch. I don't know if the data was wrong, um, but that surprised me a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird little kink. Yeah. Uh, very poor result from Birmingham's perspective. They've actually only managed one loss since New <clears> Year's <throat> Day, which sounds good. But I must point out they've managed six draws in their last seven, which is extraordinary. <laughs> Welcome to mid-table form. 
Mid-table form. <laughs> there you go. Charlton made it two wins in two with a 1-0 win over QPR. Darren Prattley with the goal. And they've now got a three-point safety cushion. Lee Bowyer, he is doing a remarkable job in the circumstances, isn't he? He's been doing a remarkable job at Charlton since he got the job. They that have, is a fair point. They shouldn't have been promoted last season, let's be honest. They, they had no right to be promoted last season. And, um, you know, at times they were looking good this season. They wanted a bad run of form. But the lockdown came at a good time for them. Back-to-back 1-0 wins. You know, they've they stripped it right back to base, uh, basics. They played 4-4-2 last week. They won. 4-4-2 again this week. They won. They've got Prattley and Cullen in the middle. And they boss, they boss the midfield. Two hard-working midfielders, ball-winning midfielders who will graft. And as I say, they've, they've got it right back to basics and it's getting results for them. Yeah, definitely. And it's weird to think, isn't it, that they would have got relegated had the season been decided on points per game. <laughs> that I goes mean, to say something about that, doesn't yeah, it? Uh, QPR, we'll talk about quickly because we had them down as dark horses for the playoffs because of their kind run of fixtures for the remainder of the season. But they've now lost to Barnsley and Charlton. Mm-hmm. It's very poor from their perspective, isn't it? And they haven't scored either. Yeah, well, it's it's one shot on target uh, against um, Charlton two last week. So three three and two games isn't isn't great. Um, not working the keeper enough. And clearly, the season's fizzling out a bit for QPR. Not a lot to play for. They just need to get through these games and hope that they aren't sucked into a very tight relegation battle because teams below them are winning, which is a bit of a worry. I'm not mm. saying they will, they will, but that you know. Two, two really poor performances can can have a bad effect on, on sides. Just hopefully they don't get sucked into that into that uh, battle. Yeah, one of the teams in the relegation battle still is Barnsley, but they continued their <clears> efforts <throat> to try and escape relegation by picking up a point against Millwall. It finished 0-0. Pretty terrible game in truth. Um, the result means a lot in the grand scheme of things for both sides, though, because Barnsley needed to pick up something from this game, considering all the teams around them are getting points. Well, from a Millwall perspective... Probably two points dropped against the side they should be beating, considering they're still very much chasing the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I had Millwall as a as a dark horse for the playoffs. I thought they had a good run, good run of games. Um, they they looked fairly good um, before before the suspension of the season. Um, but unfortunately, they were poor last week against Derby, and this week they they were still quite poor. Barnsley were unlucky not to win. You know, Beerkowski had to make five saves. Um, and they managed to keep Millwall quite quiet. And as you say, for Barnsley, you know, it's back-to-back clean sheets for them, which is which is massive. Yeah, well, Millwall still are in the race to get into the playoffs, but just two wins in 11 games now. Mm-hmm. They're really struggling, and unless there's a drastic turnaround, then they won't be getting in the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, let's move on to the race to finish in them. And we'll start with Cardiff, who followed up their win over Leeds with a 3-1 victory away at Preston. Another great result for Neil Harris's men, Justin. They're, they're, they're very sneaky, aren't they? You know, they, they just... I, I sort of ruled them out because I wasn't convinced by their, their their attacking options. But, you know, they didn't have a striker that was in double figures, for example. But, you know, egg on my face, they've been great since the the, the, the football restarted. It's a massive result and a great performance. Um, you were unsure of Harris when he was appointed, weren't you? Yeah, and since he's taken over, Cardiff have lost just four of their last yeah. 23 league games. And they have drawn a lot of games in that time, admittedly. But we need to give Havis a lot more credit for the job that he's doing because I think we've both been guilty at times, haven't we, of not really praising them enough because they have kind of just snuck into the playoffs Yeah, when there's been plenty of other teams that we've been hyping over and mm-hmm. I suppose fans of other teams have been hyping over as well. And there's, there's no better way of getting into the playoffs than doing it quietly. 
yeah. than being the team that sneaks into them. You know, Fulham did it a few years ago. Reading did it um, under McDermott uh, a few seasons ago as well. Um, and, and and as well as that, players are hitting form at the right time. Glatzel is getting amongst the goals. Yeah. He, he took his goal really well. I know it's a bit of a deflection, but he had a lot to do before that. Um, you know, Will Volks as well been, is, has been great. And Curtis Nelson is looking like a good partner alongside Morrison. Um, so as I say, you know, the team's the team's good. They've got a healthy squad, which, you know, benefits them amongst other teams that they're they're up against um, to get in that sixth place. Yeah, Glassell's really struggled all season, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. But two and two now and he looks a completely different player to the one yeah. that we saw before lockdown. It's incredible how much he's got a smile on his He's got a smile on his face as well, and we like to see that. We like to see players smiling. Uh, they're up to sixth now are in the driving seat out of the sides chasing a playoff place so let's see if they can hold on to it the team who were sixth was Preston and they've now got one point from their last five games which is terrible from their perspective uh, this game in particular was actually quite an even game but Preston just didn't put away their chances and our fears seem to be coming true just in that a lack of a goal scorer is going to cost them for a place in the playoffs yeah, they, they need a central striker who's going to grab them double-figure goals. Yeah, um, we, badly. We, this, this is a chronic problem. They impressed and shrank. We've seen a slump before. They did it a couple of seasons ago to finish seventh. Um, they looked to be in the driving seat and they, obviously they dropped out. Did it last season, although they dropped a lot lower. Um, they've been in around the playoffs over the last few years, but loss of form toward the end of the season has cost them. and. You know, is that a goal scorer? Is it defensively? Well, we know they're actually not that bad defensively. They're no. not terrible. They they are, they have a good back four. Um, but, you know, one thing that they have lacked over those few years is a goal scorer. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, if you have aspirations of finishing the playoffs, you've got to put money where your mouth is. Yeah, well, the thing is, they've got a very good team really the rest of their side is very good and really should be Mm -hmm. in the playoffs it's just the striker situation because none of the strikers up there look like they're going to get anyone in the playoffs no matter how good that team is it's it's something that needs to be addressed asap in the summer they don't even have a a chris martin or harobs and carnu type where he contributes to the team's play i know they've got stockley but he doesn't he's, he's a bit of a lump isn't he well, all the strikers there, really, I'm I'm not convinced they're championship standard particularly because they're just all very average, aren't they? None of them mm-hmm. have really shown any signs of being good enough to get play- uh, Preston anywhere near the playoffs. Um, one of my friends who's a Preston fan was so annoyed about this result. He's, um, I needed to name this because I found it so funny. He was so annoyed by this result that he's changed his PlayStation name. So <laughs> his... Actual name. This isn't his. This isn't his actual name. Um, but his username was along the lines of PNE Luke One, and now he's changed his name to Luke One. <laughs> <laughs> That's bitter. It's that so bitter. petty. But I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, Derby have now won four in a row. Justin after beating Reading two mm-hmm. one. Louis Sibley didn't score, meaning he's been exposed as a fraud after three games into his career. Um, <laughs> but. It wasn't the most convincing of performances from a Derby's perspective, but it's three points nonetheless, isn't it? No, you've got to grind games out at times, and Derby have been poor for parts of the season where they've they've looked very, very vulnerable, but they didn't um, necessarily look vulnerable against Reading. Of course, Reading had spells, but Derby looked good at times. Reading looked pretty good for the, the second half. Um, 
and yeah, they 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 came out with the win, which is which is massive, and obviously four four wins on the trot, which is the first time they've done that since Rower, I think, which is going back a couple of seasons. Yeah, it's a fair while ago that one. Um, but the most talked about bit of the game was actually something that happened after the game when Tom Lawrence and Matt Miazga were both sent off for a little scuffle. Uh, Lawrence headbutting Miazga, who responded with what I can only call a bitch slap. It was a slap. It was a slap. But there was a bit of a, a like a, a punch beforehand, but I don't it obviously didn't connect very well. Um but yeah, not not ideal, you know. As we said, we we want to see love, don't we? We want to Loads see love. Loads of love. We want to see people smiling on the pitch and everyone yeah. just sharing the love. Um but getting back onto the football, Tom Lawrence, he is gonna be suspended for the next few games after that. Do you think he'll be a miss? Um I think so, yeah. You know, post January Tom Lawrence has been a very very good player you know he scored a couple of goals against Swansea won the won derby the game um against them he's he's looked dangerous his work off the ball last week was was good against Millwall he's added a lot more to his to his game um since as I say since probably since the yeah turn of the year um and he can win games just like that he's one of those sorts of players if he turns it on He's, he's going to be a handful for opposition. And obviously, you saw with his goal, he can come up with moments like that. Um, he's obviously the, he's, he's scored a lot of goals outside the box, the most in the division. He's obviously got ability and there aren't many players in the squad that have that. Yeah, I feel like he's quite underrated by Derby fans because he, he's one who gets a lot of the criticism when something when Derby aren't playing well. But he's got 10 goals and four assists now this season. He has been one of Derby's best players this throughout the whole of the season you've got you've got to admit it really because mm. when the strikers aren't necessarily performing he's managed to at times pull derby along and get them to the three points and i think he deserves a lot more credit i know the sending off was stupid and he has made some questionable decisions off the pitch but in terms of his actual performances he, you can't deny that he deserves a lot more credit than what he gets. Uh, but Derby now, just three points off Cardiff in sixth. Very much one of the form teams in the championship at the moment. So one to keep an eye on, but they have got a tricky run of games coming up. Uh, Reading we'll talk about quickly because, as we mentioned, they haven't really got much to play for for the rest of the season. Um, but they did have a few bright sparks, didn't they? Yeah, so Reading were their own downfall at times against Derby, obviously. Um, Reading's shape for the first 40 minutes was quality. Defensively, they, they looked good. Um, but then he allowed, they allowed the Derby centre-half, Andre Wisdom, to walk through the centre of the park um, to, to build up to that first goal. And then Liam Moore, who was error-strewn all the way through the game, gave away the penalty. Um, and obviously, George Puskas was anonymous, barring his first chance. Not he was the first he was anonymous. time this season. And um, it took Yakumete, um, you know, about an hour to start running at Craig Forsyth. You know, there was too many players that had off days. Um, one player I want to point out who was who was good other than Ajaria was uh, Andy Runamata. I thought it was quality. He kept Sibley quiet, I think. Yeah, and scored from 18 yards out with a header, yeah. <laughs> which Muscle you don't see very often. often. Yeah. No, but fair play to him. Bristol City won Wednesday 2. That was the score from this Sunday's afternoon game. Connor Wickham amongst the goal scorers and he played superbly, didn't he? He really yeah, did. Yeah. And with Wednesday lacking strikers heading into next season... They need to do all they can to try and keep a hold of him. But I have read this week that Palace apparently want to keep Wickham for next season, which surprised me a bit because he's not going I'm to not... get he's not going to get much game time there, though, is he? I mean, you take away the injuries he suffered, he'd be a very good 
mid-table Premier League striker. He's a handful. He's a he's a big striker, and he's he's actually not he's not a bad finisher as well. He's a, he's a good finisher. Mm. Um, I think loads of championship size. clubs. Sorry, a uh, load of championship clubs should be having a look at him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Heading into but, next season. But if Palace want to keep him, it seems like someone's going to have to pay a lot of money uh, to get him. But if I was in his shoes, I'd be pushing for a move to somewhere like Wednesday. that Because we could finally start seeing the potential that he's always promised. I mean, he's still only 27. Even though it feels like he's been around for 20 years now. But <laughs> it feels like he has still got time to really live up to that potential he's a, he's a striker that I like but you know he's just he's had too many injuries for him to you know get runs of games develop etc um, but as you say he's a, he's a handful for any side and he you know he proved that today against Bristol City yeah he definitely did I thought another player who played really well for Chef Wednesday was Joe Wildsmith I thought he was superb made a number of key saves and you've got to wonder why the hell has he been playing this season when they've had uh, Cameron Dawson playing instead when he has made error after error while they've had Wildsmith who looked fairly handy today against Bristol City yeah definitely I think he's been there quite a while but he only made like his 50 appearance for Wednesday the other day uh, well I think might have been last week Mm. I might be wrong on that. Um, but as you say, you know, they've got three half-decent keepers. Um, and, you know, it's, they obviously don't, you know, Monk's fallen out with one of them and one of them's been a calamity since he signed a new deal. So you go with the other one and he's proved a, a, a fairly good decision. Yeah, it's bizarre that he's just not played sooner because, as mentioned, Dawson's been awful and Wildsmith mm-hmm. looks fairly capable between the sticks. Bristol City, though, another poor performance from them. And it looks like... They are slowly falling out of the playoff they, race, doesn't it? Man, they make my blood boil because uh, they've got so much ability in the side. Oh, so much! You know, they need to settle on a system as well. You know, they play different systems, and I think they look a lot better sometimes with a four, uh, a three-four-three. Um, they've got the players to do it. They're very good on the counter attack, um, and then when you've got players, you look at the bench. They've got players like Casey Palmer who can unlock defenses, Eliasson. Oh, man, they, they frustrate me so much. Well, you've got they, to point the fingers at Lee Johnson, haven't you? Again, I've, because as you mentioned... I've done it. I've <laughs> I, done it, Ryan. I'm Sorry. doing it again. You've got to point <laughs> the fingers at Lee Johnson because, as you mentioned, key players, good quality players, such as Casey Palmer, Eliasson on the bench, and then you've got Benica Foby on the wing. What was that about? And then hmm. defensively, they're an absolute shambles. Two of the sloppiest goals you'll see all season. And now only Hull have conceded more goals than them in the last, I think it's 11 games. It's awful from Lee Johnson's perspective. And it's getting to the point now where, I think you said this not long ago, I think he needs to leave at the end of the season. Because it's been three seasons now where they've tried to get into the top six and it looks like he's going to have failed again. They're not progressing as a side, are they? And they've spent a lot of money, Justin. A lot of money. Things need to change. It's time for a change, I'm afraid. I, I agree with you, and it, he's going to say something weird like they were too aroused, aren't they? <laughs> isn't he? That, can, that can be a problem, could be an issue. We'll finish off with Wigan to Blackburn. Neil, first off, Justin, I need to ask you a question because this came to my mind earlier and I've not stopped thinking about it. Um, you know how Wigan are called the Latics? Mm-hmm. What is a Latic? There's dead air there because I'm thinking, I don't know. I've. It, it's just. For years now, I've just accepted Wigan are called the Latics. I have no idea what a Latic is. I presume it's because athletic, Latic, but surely be called the Latics. 
Anyway, weird. Just came to my mind earlier. Don't understand it at all. Is there so any I'm... fans that can give oh, us a please. history lesson? You know, please. This will great. open open our eyes massively. But a really good performance from Wigan, who fully deserved the three points and twenty four points from a possible thirty three. Now, five points clear of the relegation zone, edging closer and closer to safety, aren't they? Oh, without a doubt, they've they've been incredible since the turn of the year. Incredible. And, uh, I tell you what, for most games this season, they haven't been out of them. They haven't, you know, team. They're not. They're not been like, you know, rolled over, no. battered by, by teams. They've they've been in them throughout the game. And you know, a stat that epitomises this is Wigan have scored thirty four percent of their goals this season, from the sixtieth minute onwards. Love that. Yeah, you know, that's a large portion of their goals. You know, scored in the final third of a game. In it, two two yesterday, for example, um, it just highlights. You know, the turnaround, you know, Cook's finally getting the best out of them. And fair enough, we, you know, they were right not to sack him. At, at, you know, if it was us in charge, we'd have got rid of him in Oh, yeah, November. definitely. And I think a lot of Wigan fans would as well. It seemed like he had to go. But um, fair play to him. He has turned it around. And it'll be interesting to see how they move on now because it looks like they will be in the championship next season. Uh, but Blackburn. Like Swansea, they had a really positive result last week and have followed it up with a pretty poor performance. Yeah, they, 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 they again, they've had this inconsistency this season. You know, they look like they, they're, they're going forwards, but something will just grab their shoulder and pull them back. It's, it's frustrating because I do like this Blackburn side. It's, there's a mix of good football, direct football, organised football, uh, experienced players and young players. It's, you know, a very well-balanced Blackburn side that, could be doing better. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a bad season for them because they they are having a good season. I think um, they could season. be doing better. Um, it's just a shame they aren't because they're a side that I like. Yeah, a bit of consistency, and they'd be well in the playoffs by this point because they are still in in the race, just four points off Cardiff now. Uh, need to get three points against Barnsley midweek though, don't they? I, I, I tell you what, as well, there'll be a lot of teams at the end of the season kicking themselves because. In contrast, I don't think it's been a very consistent season for teams trying oh, to get no. into the playoffs. No, the only team, the teams who are the top five, shall we say, are the only teams who have managed to build any consistency all season, and that's why they're up there because they've managed to put mm-hmm. a consistent run of results together. While the others have, you know, been picking up wins here and there. Uh, let's go on to the news this week, Justin. Not too much. The first one we've already spoke about. Neil Warnock's been named the new Middlesbrough boss. Uh, boss. <laughs> Neil Warnock's been named the new Middlesbrough boss, uh, replacing Jonathan Mudgate. We spoke about that already, but if you want to hear from the perspective of a Borough fan, make sure you listen to our episode from midweek where we met the Borough Breakdown podcast. Johnny from there gave us a great insight into where it's all gone wrong for Middlesbrough. The amount championship clubs have spent on agent fees over the past year has been announced, and it's Stoke who are top. They spent over five and a half million on agents, Justin. Swansea are second with five million. Only four clubs spent less than a million and 49 million was spent in total. Crazy numbers, Justin. It's always been a problem. I think one of the issues with the spiralling finances is the, the, the fees that are paid to agents and the amount of power agents have. And I think, you know, you reduce that power or put a cap on it, then you reduce the negotiating stance that agents have to try and get bigger contracts from clubs for players. Yeah, just blows my mind that Stoker at the top when they're in the position that they're in. And then Swansea, I don't really recall them signing many players last summer. So it's weird how they're second, but there you go. I mean, do you still have to pay a fee to get rid of a player? 
you know, possibly terminating contract. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it all uh, works. To football managers only taught me so much. <laughs> I don't know that much. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of transfer news this week with contracts expiring all over the place. But the main one is Nathan Ferguson, the young defender at West Brom, who looks set to move to Palace after rejecting a new deal. Slavin Bilic has criticised it, saying clubs need to have their academy players protected from other sides taking them. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, this one's sort of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because it's his first full season. You know, he, he was given a chance by Bilic at the start of the season. He played well. Um, been a very good player for uh, for, for West Brom this season. Um, and it is a shame that he's moving on at the first sign of a Premier League contract. You know, as well as that, West Brom hopefully will be in the Premier League next season. There's time for him to develop. Um, Palace, Palace is a good place to go and develop because they give young players opportunities. But... You know, playing for your hometown club, as we've seen with Romain, how much it means to Romain Sawyers, why why leave? Yeah, especially when West Brom not like they should be in the Premier League next season. I kind of understand what Billich is saying as well, because clubs mm-hmm. are having to spend so much on academy products now, especially with financial fair play. And then mm-hmm. as, as soon as one of their best youngsters is being looked at by another club he's gone so I do feel a bit of sympathy for Mr Billich and finally teams have been putting cardboard cutouts in the stands for the games just in but Leeds were in a bit of trouble after someone put one of Osama Bin Laden in there Um, how did that get through how how has someone not noticed because someone at the club has clearly been given the job of putting these cardboard cutouts in all the different seats and someone didn't look at that cardboard cutout and think that's Osama Bin Laden Hang on a minute. Hang on a it's minute. It's so weird. And then the person who took the photo and put it on Twitter as well didn't notice either. He was the fr- yeah. he was at the front row. He had Osama Bin Laden in, in the front row of the stand at Ellen Road. And, and, and it, it took a fan to notice that he was yes. a position next to him as well. Bizarre, bizarre how I got there. So weird. Such a weird story. Anyway, Justin, it's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Now, this is the part of the show where I'm going to give Justin six clues about a championship legend. All he has to do is try and guess who that championship legend is. He's made a minimum of 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. Now, Justin, you're in horrendous form at the moment. Yeah, just one thing to add there. This is also part of the show where I break down in tears. Yeah, um, it's the best bit, you, really. You, you literally hear me have a mental breakdown <laughs> throughout. It's been that story of over the last six, seven weeks. But, yeah. Ryan, I'm ready. I'm sharp. I've had a tea before we went on. Well, I've figured out that you haven't actually got one right since the 19th of April. And we've carried on during lockdown. It's not like actual football, which has had a three-month break. It's been, oh, it's been over two months since you last I got one. I mean... You've, you've added that on. <laughs> Are you feeling now. the pressure? Yes. <laughs> right, we'll crack on then. So the first clue, Justin, is this. I've made 231 appearances at championship level, scoring four goals. Not a goalkeeper. Could be a goalkeeper. Is he a fullback? Maybe. 231 appearances. Mm-hmm. Four goals. I'm going to go with Luke Chambers. It's not Luke Chambers. That's my <laughs> tactic, damn it. <laughs> Although it would have been very sneaky if I knew going yeah, Luke Chambers. Yeah. I've only played for two clubs at championship level. They are Sheffield Wednesday and Cardiff. Stephen McPhail, no. It's not Stephen McPhail. No, no it's Leeds he played for. That 
was a McPhail of a guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I meant that completely sarcastically. I thought you were going to give me a sarcastic laugh back, but thank you for giving me a genuine laugh. Uh, overall, I've had quite a well-travelled career, having played in England, Scotland, Holland and Spain. Hmm. 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 You're thinking. Now he played, he played for Wednesday in Cardiff, right? Yep. Um, Technically, he's also played in Wales, I suppose. He's played in Spain, Holland... England and Scotland. Glen Leuven. It is Glen Leuven's! The fist pump from Justin Peach. He is delighted. His streak is over. The streak is over. If viewers could see my face and my celebration. Oh my God. You're enjoying this a bit too much at this point now. (laughs) No, honestly, the weight off my shoulders. People have been saying on Twitter as well. and It's (laughs) It's been getting in your head. Yes. (laughs) The haters have been getting to you. But you've silenced those haters, Justin. Do you want to hear the last three clues? Give them. I feel like you would have got these um, anyway. But I've also had quite a decorated career, winning the SPL, the UEFA Cup, and getting a runners-up medal in the FA Cup. With Cardiff, obviously. Mm. Uh, I've got two caps for the Dutch national team. When did that happen? It happened when he moved to Celtic, <laughs> which passed me by. They must have been in dire oh. straits if they were to call up Glenn Leuvens. But my most recent club was Sunderland, who I left last summer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Would you ever got that? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I think I think on that one because um, I knew he played for Sunderland. And I was mm. like, who did he play for in the SBL? He must have been like a Falkirk or something. But yeah. yeah. Celtic. Celtic a very good career at Celtic aren't I? yeah he's a very good defender old Glenn Lufens very handy indeed so are you delighted to be back on track Justin oh a big smile on my face what's I your message to the fans happy. you know thanks for sticking by me the haters <laughs> who have who have reminded me of this dire streak and have told me that the answers have been easy they haven't guys they haven't but I tell you what I'm back you're back baby I'm back Well, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Now, we don't do this very often, Justin, but we'd really appreciate if you, the listener, took 30 seconds of your time to tell someone about us, whether it's telling someone at work or a friend who also supports the championship side. If you tell them about us, it would go a long, old way. Or even if it's just retweeting our new episode on Twitter, telling other fans about us on a forum, or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It might seem small, but anything like that really, really helps us. So just spend a couple of seconds, please, doing us a world of good so we'd get bigger and better because we'd really appreciate it. And we promise we won't ask you to do anything like this again for a few weeks because I know it's annoying. I know other podcasts do it all the time, but we like to do it every few weeks. Just remind you that we need your help. Uh, But honestly, it really does help us. So please do it. Anyway, we'll be back in midweek because there are midweek games, Justin. There's a lot of midweek games coming up. Are you we ready? Are, we are on a midweek uh, shift yep. from now until the end of the season, actually. We're going to be pumping these out regularly. So we'll be back again on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> yeah, not, not sure about that phrase. <laughs> Say no more. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.